Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. One Life Church family, how are we doing this morning? Are we doing well? Hey, if you're joining with us online today on the podcast, we want to say we love you so much. Come on, put your hands together and show some love for those who are at home right now listening on the podcast. We love you so much, man. We miss you and we can't wait to see you soon. And uh, we want to let you know we are here for you. We love you so much. All right, you guys, we're in a series called Choose Joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say joy. joy. See, church is more fun when there's participation. Okay, so the big idea of this entire series is that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Uh, joy is not something like a ditch that you just kind of trip into and all of a sudden, woo, I got some joy. No, joy is it's a choice. It's a choice. And that's kind of what we've been discovering for the last couple of weeks. In week one, I talked about how the first choice that I really want to encourage every single one of us to make is living a pray-first life because there is joy on the other side of praying. Last week, we talked about purity. I said the daily choice. I said there is no greater joy than just simply coming clean before God. Why? Because if there's sin in your life, you can't experience joy. You just can't. And so we talked about repentance, and that's kind of got a bad word in society and in culture today. But honestly, what repentance is, is simply turn. All I'm asking you to do is to turn, to change directions, to course correct. And we talked about that last week. And I want to encourage you, if you miss those messages, you can go to olc.church. You can download the message. You can go to Apple iTunes and listen to the podcast along with our other podcast family. But I do want to make note before we jump into this. We are a message note-taking church. You know what that means? It means we take notes around here, right? And so you're like, well, where are the notes? They're on your smartphone, dumb phone, whatever device you walked in here with today. And so I want to encourage you, if you will, participate along. Pull out your phone. Go to olc.church, olc.church. Hit one little swipe down, and you'll see a button that says message notes. My friend, I want to encourage you to click that button. What's going to happen? All the scriptures and all the fill in the blanks will be there for you because my friend, notes will help you. See, everything that I want to try to give you today and every Sunday that we come together isn't just something to make you feel good for today. I want to give you something that you can take home and apply in your life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because God knows we all need it. Amen. And so what I want to encourage you to do is become a learner. Go, to that, go online, olc.church, click that button that says message notes. Get ready to follow along today because I really honestly believe that God has a word for all of us today, including the man speaking to you today. So today, the choice we're going to talk about that produces what I believe is some incredible joy. And I'm not talking about manufactured joy. I'm talking about a real joy, a joy that goes deep within your spirit, within your soul, that changes everything. And it's actually found in our theme verse that we've been reading every week. Let's look at our theme verse. It comes out of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 3. Now, this Isaiah, who is Isaiah? Let me tell you who he is. He's a prophet in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus Christ showed up on the scene. Isaiah had a vision of Jesus Christ. But not only did he see him, 
He also saw what Jesus would produce in every one of our lives. In fact, when Jesus began his ministry, and you can read it in the Gospels, when Jesus began his ministry in Luke, it says that Jesus stood up in the temple, went to this verse in Isaiah, began to read it, and said, Today, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your sight. So this is powerful. This is what Jesus has come to produce in us. So let's look at it. What does it say? It says, Jesus came to give them the oil of, everybody say this word highlighted, the oil of joy for mourning. Every place where you're hurting, every place where there's pain, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, every place there's anxiety, stress, worry. Jesus came, my friends, to give you joy for mourning. Look at this. But he also wants to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. My friends, the weights that we're dealing with, myself included, in the world, in the nation, in our home, in our families, in our finances, in our relationships, at work, with our coworkers, with our boss, the weights that we're experiencing right now, my friend, are 100% spiritual. I need you to know that. It is a spirit of heaviness. And some of you might be here today saying, well, Red, I don't believe that. Well, can I tell you, it doesn't change the fact, just that you don't believe it, doesn't change the fact that it is true. It's spiritual. We see this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Let's take a look at it. Paul teaches this. He says, my friends, our fight, our struggle, the troubles that we're dealing with, look, it's not against people. It's not against politicians. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your kids. It's not against your boss. It's not against your help or your neighbor or the circumstances that you're dealing with. No, my friends, our fight is not against people on earth. But here it is. It's against the rulers, authorities, and the powers of this world's darkness. It's against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world. What is Paul saying? He said, my friends, our fight is against this spirit of heaviness. Our fight is against the spirit of heaviness. I don't tell you that to scare you. I don't tell you that to make you afraid or fearful. But I do tell you that to make you aware of the fact that the circumstances you are facing in life, my friend, are not just about the person on the other end. It's spiritual. There is an all-out attack from the demonic forces in the heavenly realms, my friends, that have launched an all-out attack on your mind, on your emotions, on your thoughts, on your imaginations on your husband, on your wife, on your family, on your kids, on your finances. The things that you're dealing with are an all-out assault to do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. Well, Rhett, that's your opinion. No, look at the word of God, John 10, 10. Jesus himself said this in red letters. He says, the thief, who's the thief? That's the devil. This spirit of heaviness, the thief has come only to do, to steal, to kill, and destroy. Not only your life, but your joy. And we need to remember that and recognize that as we move forward in what we're talking about today. But thank God Jesus didn't, just didn't stop there. Aren't you thankful for that? The rest of the verse says, but I have come, Jesus himself, my friends, I have come despite what you face, despite your circumstances, despite your problems, despite your pain. I have come that you may have life. Now time out for a second. The enemy has really done a good job at selling us the fact that whenever we want to walk into a relationship with God, that God wants to take from us. But I want to tell you, no, the thief takes. 
God gives. And we see that right here. Jesus Christ doesn't want a relationship with you so he can take things from you. Jesus wants a relationship with you so he can give things to you. What does he want to give you? Life. But not only that, look at this. He said, I want you to have it to the full. So what is he saying? My friends, I want you to have life in the middle of all your circumstances, in the middle of all your pain, in the middle of all your problems. You know, one of the greatest lies that the enemy has told is specifically Christians or even those who are thinking about coming to faith. And there are even some in Christian circles that preach this. And that is, they'll tell you, well, if you have problems, if you have pain, if you have any kind of sickness or health in your body, then my friend, you don't have faith in God. That's a lie, my friends. That is not the truth. That is not in God's word. Can I get a better amen? amen. Listen, the truth is, none of that is in the Bible. The truth is, in fact, Jesus said it this way. I love what Jesus said. He speaks to everything. John 16, look at this. Jesus said, look, in this world, in this life, in your marriage, in your home, in the things you're dealing with, like my friends, you're gonna have some trouble. I didn't expect to get a big amen there. You're going to have some situations. You're going to have some people that you do life with that are going to cause you some problems and some pain. You're going to have some health difficulties. Like in this world, my friend, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. Be encouraged. There is joy in that what? That Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Aren't you thankful for that truth of God? And some of you are like, well, Rhett, that's great, man. Jesus has overcome the world, but what about me? Like, what does that look like for me? How do I overcome it? It's a great question. We read it earlier in our theme verse. Let's go back to that. Isaiah 61.3. Jesus came to give you, to give me, the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of, everybody say this word out loud, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. My friends, the secret of overcoming this spirit of heaviness that has attached itself to you and your family. The secret is the garment of praise. And I want you to notice something. Notice the word garment. I should have highlighted it. I'm sorry I didn't. But garment, I want you to notice praise. Praise is a garment. In other words, praise it's like clothing. It's like that new outfit, ladies, that's sitting right there in the closet. You know what I'm talking about. It's like it's that outfit that's sitting there, and you're ready to put it on. It is something, my friends, that you can wear. And some of the ladies are like, I am so glad I came to church today. Pastor's talking about getting me a new set of clothes. This is great. And all the husbands are like, oh, God, we picked this Sunday. No, this is not about physical clothing, okay? This is about spiritual clothing that God wants to give you that has the power to produce, my friends, joy. And I want to encourage you today with all my heart, with everything that's within me. My hope is today that you make the choice despite how you feel, despite what you're facing, to make the choice to put your praise. Put that on the screen, my friend. Yeah, there it is. You ready for that? To put your praise. Everybody say, put your praise on. And turn to your neighbor and say, put your praise on. And turn to your second choice and say, he's talking to me. Second choice, talking to me. Put your praise on, everybody. Come on. Say joy. joy. Why is it important to put our praise on? Because praise produces joy. I'm telling y'all, I'm about to get really excited up in here today. I am so fired up to get to some of these points. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just going ahead and giving you the full warning, okay? We'll have some fun today. But the reason many of us aren't experiencing joy, here's the fact. The, many, the reason many of us aren't experiencing joy is because we're not putting on the garment 
We're not putting on the piece of clothing that God wants to empower us with. We're not putting on our praise. And because of that, we're dealing with anxiety. We're dealing with stress. We're dealing with, we're letting the circumstances overwhelm us in every area. And so my friends, there is power. I want you to understand this. I hope you walk away with this truth. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that people get this today. My friends, there is power when you praise. There's power when you praise. In other words, it defeats your enemy. And I'm going to show it to you. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. It says, As the people of God began to make a choice, when they began to sing, when they began to praise, when they began to say, Who is like the Lord, strong in battle? Who is like the Lord? Mighty to say, man, when the people of God rose up, began to sing and began to praise, look at what happened. The Lord himself set up an attack against the enemies of steal, kill, and destroy. Amen, Moab, Edom. Enemies, steal, kill, and destroy. Who had come to attack Judah, who were the people of God. When they began to sing, when they began to praise, the Lord set an ambush. He defeated. He annihilated. Look at the end of the story. And they were defeated. That's a great place to shout amen, everybody. Many of us are allowing the enemy to steal our joy. Many of us have allowed the enemy to steal our joy for way too long. And my friend, as your friend today, as your pastor I'm asking you to put your praise on. I'm asking you to put on the garment of praise. Why? Because the bottom line, the big idea I want you to walk out of here today with is that praise produces joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Put your praise on. Put your praise on, my friend. Listen, I'm not trying to hype you up, but I am trying to get a point across to you that there's power when you praise. Praise produces joy, and I'm going to show that to you. There is many things I could honestly tell you about praise today. But one of the most favorite things to me, it's just my personal favorite, that praise does in your life is that praise reminds me of the eternal, not the temporal. Praise reminds me of the eternal, not the temporal. In other words, what am I saying? I'm saying when I begin to praise, you know what happens? I take my eyes off of me, myself, and I. And I begin to put it on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me say it this way. When I begin to praise, I take my eyes off of what's happening now. And I put my eyes on what's going to happen then. Let me say it another way. When I praise, I praise God not based on my current reality. I praise God based on his reality, his truth of what he's done, what he's going to do. This is how we praise. Let me show it to you in the Bible. See, praise changes our perspective. Let's take a look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Paul said, my friends, I'm hard-pressed on every side. Like this spirit of heaviness, Paul's saying, is real. It's real. He said, but you know what? I'm not crushed. In fact, I'm perplexed. I can't figure this thing out. But I'm not in despair. You know, I'm persecuted. But... I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down, but I am not destroyed. In which we would be thinking, well, Paul, what in the world? Like, what's your secret? Like, can you tell me what your secret is? Because I want to live like that. He goes on to the next verse. Look at this. He says, for our light 
in momentary troubles. I think this is so funny. Like he's just talking about the world's greatest problems. And he, look at his attitude. He's saying, for my light, oh, and this, my momentary troubles. Like his problems, his pains that he's experiencing on earth, he's got a change of perspective. He's saying, you know what? The things I'm going through right now are achieving for me an eternal glory that far outweighs the moment that I'm in right now. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, I realize there's more to this life than this life. My perspective is changing, which gets us back to the question. Well, Paul, what is your secret? How are you doing this? Here it is. This is my hope for you today. Don't miss this point. Here it is. You ready? He says, so we fix our eyes. Everybody say fix. We make a choice. We declare God's praise. Not on what we see. Listen, praise is not based on your current reality or the struggles you're dealing with in your marriage. Your praise isn't based on the current reality that there's more month than there is money in your, for your checking account. Your praise isn't determined on the things that you see within your health and the things that may be trying to attack your body. No, your praise isn't based on what you see or your current reality, but your praise. Look at the rest of the verse. Paul said, my praise is based on what is unseen. My praise is based on the truth of God's reality. Since because what I see in my mind in the current reality is temporal, but what is seen, God's reality, God's reality, my friend, is eternal. It's what matters most is what Paul is saying. Praise changes our perspective. And let me show you what that looks like. I call it the glorious exchange. For those who have been here for a while, you've heard me say this before. But you'll walk in here with the weight of the world on your shoulder from the problems that you're dealing with, the stresses of life. And your problems seem this big in the scope of what's happening. This is my current reality. It's right here in my face. But there's something about when you begin to sing, who is like the Lord? All of a sudden, you begin to remember who God is strong in battle. My problems begin to get small. And God's right here, problems this big. Who is like the Lord? He's mighty to save. Who is like our God? And all of a sudden, now, what seemed to be so big against my God, now I'm beginning to realize my God is so much bigger than my current reality. My current reality pales in comparison to the greatness of my God. What, happen, what happens is this miracle that takes place, and I can't explain it. You just got to try it. You just got to try it. That's the toughest job as a pastor is me encouraging you to do something, to experience something, but and tell you about this experience is so amazing. But you got to do it. You got to apply it. And I'm going to show you how you can apply this in your life so you can experience this joy. Because, my friend, I'm telling you, when you begin to remember that my God has forgiven me of my past, my present, and my future sins. Come on, somebody. That is a good reason to praise God. And when you remember that he's redeemed you, that he's called you by name, and when you remember that he heals all my diseases, and when you remember that he encircles you with love and his tender mercy, and when you remember that he fills your life with good things, I'm telling you, my friend, there is joy on the other side. Why? Because praise, praise, put that on the screen again, my friend, praise produces joy. This is why David said, I'm jumping around on you, Nate, follow me, buddy. I'm going back to Psalm 22, 26. That's why David said, all who Seek the Lord will do what? Say that word. They'll do what? They'll praise him. And their hearts will rejoice with what? Everlasting joy. God wants this for your life. 
God wants you to experience joy. I want this for your life. God wants this for your life. This church wants this for your life. The devil doesn't want it for your life. He's working overtime. And it's time to reverse it. It's time to put our praise on. Why? Because praise. Put it back on the screen. We're going to get this point today before we walk away. Praise produces joy. Produces joy. Parents, maybe you can go with me on this. There is no greater joy, in my opinion, than the day your son or daughter learns how to put their clothes on. Can I get a good amen? For those of you who don't have Kids, I'm sure you've got nephews or nieces and you've got kids that you've tried to put on clothes. How about this? It's even more of a challenge as a parent to get your kids to keep their clothes on. Do you have any of those kids in your home? It's like, what in the world? Like, boy, get back in the house. Neighbors, I'm a pastor of a church. Not so much anymore. My son's 12, okay? But this was, this was when he was two three years old. I'll never forget, man, like trying to teach my son Max how to put his clothes on, man. I mean, like it was like, I do, I do it, daddy. I do it. I do it. And his head would end up through the sleeve hole. You know what I'm saying? And then his pants would end up backwards. His left shoes on his right shoe, his right shoes on his left foot. You know, am I the only parent in here that has to deal with this? It's like, it's a process, isn't it? To teach our kids how to put their clothes on. But don't even get me started on matching clothes because that's a whole nother level, right? I'm a grown man and I wear black for a reason, okay? I have trouble with matching colors. But then as the process grows, you're like, oh, thank God they've learned how to put their clothes on. This is great. And all the moms said a good amen on that one. But now the struggle goes to stage two, which I consider like now it's like, hey, kids, you're getting ready to leave in five minutes and I need you to be in the car. And it could be like 25 degrees outside. And what are they going to show up to the car? They got shorts, shirts, and a sandals on. I'm like, what in the world? Are you kidding me right now? Get back in the house. Put some warm clothes on. And then it could be hot. The other day, I kid you not, Max, we went, it's 100 degrees outside. And he comes out in his jacket. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Oh, this is just comfortable, Dad. I like it. I'm like, it is 100 degrees outside. But it's comfortable. You know what I began to realize as I thought about this? I began to realize that kids, they don't want to wear what we want them to wear. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to wear this. Even as a grown adult, I can attest to when my wife tries to pick out some clothes for me, I'm like, baby, I don't want to wear that. I don't want to wear a tie. Oh, why? Because it's uncomfortable. I'm a grown man, and I'm dealing with the same thing. It's uncomfortable. But I'll never forget one day when I came home, and my wife, she's so amazing, came home, and I, yeah, shout out for my wife. Woo! She's in kids' life, serving your kids this morning. I'll never forget one day I came home, and there were a pair of what they call jogger pants. You know what jogger pants are? They're basically yoga pants for dudes. That's what they are. A little bit looser, though, okay? Um, And I'll never forget seeing that. I was like, what in the world? I am not putting those things on. She's like, I just want you to try it. I was like, she's like, I promise you, you'll think they're so comfortable. I'm like, I'm not putting those on. I am a man of God. I am not putting joggers on. (laughs) And she's like, just try it. And I was like, okay. So let me tell you the glorious exchange that happened the day I put on some joggers from Costco, baby. I'm like, woo! This is nice, man. This feels good. I'm like, let's go run a mile right now. I don't even run. I'm like, let's do this. It is amazing. Like, 
You know, when I began to think about that, I was like, I'm so grateful not only for Linda to help me with that decision, but to actually take the step to try them on because now you can't get them off me. I'm like, it's my favorite outfit. And we all have that one favorite, most comfortable outfit, don't we? Come on, if you don't think you've got it, you've got it. You've already got it in your mind. It's like when I get home and I walk through the door after church, I'm kicking my shoes off and I'm putting that outfit on right now. That's your comfy outfit. For me, it's my black joggers. I don't care how hot it is outside. Those puppies are comfortable. I'm wearing them. So you're like, what in the world does this have anything to do with praise, right? Like, where are you going with this? I don't know. I'm kidding. I began to realize that the same is kind of true with joy. Think about this for a moment. My point is, we'll never experience the comfy that is our favorite comfy pants, joggers, ladies, your yoga pants, whatever that is, right? You'll never know the joy of that until you try them on. And when you try them on and you experience, it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Praise is the same way. You'll never know the power of praise in your life. You'll never know the joy that's on the other side of praise until you begin to put your praise on. Somebody say, put your praise on. Put your praise on. Why? Because, my friend, it produces what? It produces joy. So I want to encourage you to put it on. So, okay, what does it look like? Let's get practical. What does it look like? In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to give you this really quick. What I thought I would do to try to help you understand more, a little bit more about praise is this. So I'm going to give you seven things really quick, but I want to tell you why I'm giving you seven things. It's because there are seven words that actually describe the one English word that we have called praise. See, in fact, your Bible, you may not have known this. Let's get a little nerdy, okay, on some, like, uh, teaching, okay? The Old Testament was written in a Aramaic or Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And you're like, why in the world can't they just write it all in one language, right? Well, the New Testament at the time was written in Greek because... What was happening in culture, the Greeks were really influencing education. Okay, they were influencing education, and it was the language of the day. And so your Old Testament's written in Hebrew, New Testament's written in Greek. So why is that important? It's important to understand that your Bible was not written in English. And so the words that the Bible use in the original language have so much deeper meaning. Like, for instance, the Greek word for love. The Greek word for love, see, we just get love. That's all we get in English. Love. But in Greek, they get agape. You know what agape is? It's unconditional. It's never failing. It's like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm right by your side forever. Then you get this other word called eros. It's where we get the word erotic. I ain't going there. Number three, you get another word. Some of the guys are like, oh, I just, what, what did he say? I heard something. What? I'm, in, I'm paying attention in church now. The other Greek word for love in the Bible is phileo. Phileo. It's a friendly love. It's like, Hey, yo, dude, what's up? I love you. Tori, man, what's up? I love you, bro. You know? But we get love. That's all we get. We tell our wife I love her. I tell Tori I love him. But there's two different meanings. In, you know, right? English, one word. Bible, several definitions. Well, in the Hebrew, there is seven different words to describe the one English word we call praise. Seven different descriptions. Actually, the Hebrew is called a pictorial language. You know what that means? It simply means that it takes a whole paragraph to describe one English word. Like, you get a whole paragraph in Hebrew to describe the one English word of praise. And so I think it's important to help you wear praise, to help you put praise on, to help you get to a place where praise produces joy in your life. You need to know what it looks like. I mean, who wants to put an outfit on if it's ugly, right? No, I want to put an outfit on that feels good, that produces joy in my life. So here it is. Number one, taking notes, write this down. You don't want to miss this because, my friend, when you wake up on Monday morning, you're going to want to put your praise on. 
Okay? Number one, Hebrew word, Hallel. Hallel. And by the way, I didn't make this up. This is right here in the dictionary of every Hebrew dictionary in the Bible. It's every pastor's library, copied and pasted. It means to rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. Kind of sounds like the club on Friday night, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like the campsite at the lake on Saturday, right? Kind of sounds fun, doesn't it? Woo! I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to act the fool, but I'm going to have some fun. It's going to be good. You know, that's actually in the Bible, y'all. It's good. Listen, I grew up thinking that church should be endured. I'm telling you, church should not be endured. It should be fun. Your relationship with God should be halal. It should be a lot of fun. This is where we actually get the word hallelujah. Yah means God. We halal God. We praise God. We act a fool for God. We boast about God. We celebrate about God. So I will do what Psalm 35, 18 says, and that is, God, I'm going to thank you in front of the great assembly. Like, I'm not going to keep this to myself. I'm going to hallel you, God. Before all the people. You know, there's a song growing up in church. I don't know if you've heard it. For those Christians who are here today, maybe you've heard the song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. Where? I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Where? 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 Like, where is it? Praise is outward. It's not inward, my friend. Some of us got to get the praise out of our heart and into our feet. Some of us got to get the praise out of our heart and the love of God out of our heart into our hands. Some of us got to get the, come on, y'all know where I'm going with this today. Some of you guys need to get the joy in the, of God in his heart and his love out your mouth and into your actions and into your praise. Why? Because you are not experiencing joy. And my friend, there is joy on the other side of your praise. There is joy on the other side of it. I'm going to continue to show this. To you, here's the second word, yada, yada. Not Yoda, not the guy from Star Wars, okay? This means to acknowledge in public. To acknowledge in public. Well, Pastor Ed, I just believe my faith should be private. It's between me and Jesus, okay? I get that. I respect that. But that's not in the Bible. In fact, you know what that's like? See, I'm a married man going, been 14 years, y'all. Come on, somebody. Amen. I wear a wedding ring for a reason. If I were to leave my house and go, hey, babe, I'm in the kitchen. I'm going to run some errands, but I'm going to just leave my wedding ring here, and I'm going to do this out because I don't want nobody to know that, that we're together and that we have a relationship because you're in my heart, babe. Oh, you're in my heart. Go out and live my life. Nobody knows I'm married, but then I come back into the kitchen. I'm like, babe, how was your day? Man, I've had you in my heart all day. Okay, I want to remind you that we, we're married. How many of y'all know there would be hair, teeth, and eyeballs? Your pastor, your friend would be six feet down under the ground in a box. Your faith is not meant to be private. Your faith is meant to be public. It's a public demonstration. It's to acknowledge in public. God's no different, my friend. If we keep praise to ourselves, just like it would offend my wife, it offends God. Look at this in Matthew. Jesus Christ himself said this. Matthew 10, 32 through 33. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth I will, also, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven, which is great. Praise God for that. Woo! I could stop there, but you know it doesn't end there. Look at the next line. But everyone who doesn't acknowledge me publicly, who denies me here on earth, I'll also deny before my Father in heaven. 
So what do we do? Well, we got to do what Psalm 138.1 says. Look at this. I love this. It says, God, I will yadah you. I will praise you. I will yadah you. Oh, Lord, and I'm going to make it public. I'm going to let everybody know, God, that I'm in love with you. Oh, Lord, with all my heart, God, I'm going to yadah you. Are y'all getting anything out of this this morning? Y'all didn't know you were going to get a little Hebrew lesson today, did you? Look number three, Barak. Barak means to bless by kneeling or bowing. And my friends, that's more than just physical bowing. It's this intimacy with God. This is God, I'm just, wow. I'm just honored by your greatness, Lord. And I just inwardly in my heart revere you. But God, I just bow. I posture my heart in attitude that says, God, you're amazing. That's what it means. That's what I mean. Look at this, Psalm 103, 1. So I will barack the Lord. I will bless him by kneeling and bowing. All my inmost being, everything that I have will barack his holy name. Again, we get one word in the English, but there's more to it. Here's the fourth one. Just try to help you put your praise on this morning. Zamar, Zamar. This is what the worship team did this morning. Making music to God with strings. And some of you are like, well, what about the vocalists? They weren't playing strings. Were they doing that? Yeah, it's called your vocal cords. Did you know your vocal cords are strings? That's how you praise God. Psalm 92 says, it's good to say mar. It's good to hit those guitar strings, baby, and praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. My friends, God likes it. And I just want to show you one other verse. God actually closes out the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is the largest book in the Bible, 150 chapters, and it's named Songs, S-O-N-G-S. It means God likes it. And he, he capitalizes, like the grand finale of the entire book, falls on this verse out of Psalm 150. Look at this. Praise him with a tambourine and dancing. I'm telling y'all, some of y'all would have a little bit more joy if you got some air up under your feet. You know what I'm saying? For those who weren't watching on the podcast, I just did a little jump about fell over, all right? I'm telling you, some of you guys would experience a little bit more joy if you had a little bit of air between your feet. Look at this. Oh, I'm going to praise him with the strings. I'm going to praise him with the flute. I'm going to praise him with a clash of cymbals. And not only that, I'm just going to say crank up the volume just a little bit more. I want those bad boy babies, those clanging cymbals to get loud. Look at that. For those who send me notes on the prayer request cards with no name that say your volume is too loud, here's your verse. <laughs> Listen, if it's too loud, you're not going to like heaven. Because Revelation says, praise in heaven. It's like a thousand waterfalls, everybody. It's amazing. Praise him. Look at number five. Here's the fifth word. Shabak. Shabak. It means to address in a loud tone. To shout. You're like, I ain't doing that in church. I didn't raise that way in church. I am not about to shabak in church. <laughs> when your team wins the Super Bowl, Granted, your kid scores a touchdown. Your kid kicks a soccer goal. My friend, you are not going to sit there and go, great job. That was nice. No, my friend, you can't do that. Why? Because the moment deserves a celebration. It is, woo! Way to go, boy. That's my boy right there. Hey, did you see my boy? Look at him go. That's my team. Let me give you another one. Go to the airport. You, your loved one's been gone for three months. You go to the airport, you wait on them. They round the corner, you see them. You don't stand there. 
nice to see you. No. You're standing there with a sign. It says, welcome home. Welcome home. Woo! I got flowers. Come here, baby. I want to kiss you. I want to throw you up in the air and hug you, squeeze you, whatever it is. It's like, no, that moment deserves a shout. We're called to Barack, our God, to lift a voice. Come on, right now, put your praise on. Lift a shout of praise. If you believe any of this, can you lift a shout of praise? Come on right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's joy on the other side of praise. Why is it normal every other place except for before our God? You ever thought about that? Why is it normal that we can do this in society, in culture, but we're not supposed to do this for our God? No, no, no. God likes it. Go to number six for me, my man. There's a scripture there, Psalm 63. It's in your notes. You can read that. But number six, Toda, Toda. Some of the people are like, what does, what, Pastor Red, what's up with this raising hand thing? Why in the world do we have to raise hand? Because it's in the Bible. Toda is to lift hands in adoration. Look at Psalm 50, verse 23. It says, he who offers Toda, who offers Toda, lifts his hands in adoration. Who glorify, he glorifies God. God likes him. I had a lady come to me the other day. She pulled me aside after service and said, Pastor Red. I did it. I was like, whoo, what'd you do? Awesome. It's like, I, I, I took a next step. I was like, yeah, what was the step? She said, I raised my hand. She said, I raised my hand for the first time in my life. And I said, well, what was it like? She said, it was freedom. She began to experience something because she tried something on. She took a step out of her current reality and connected to God's reality. She experienced joy. Those were her words. Pastor, I experienced joy. Raising my hands. Just trying to help you put your praise on. Why? Because, my friend, you need joy. Praise produces joy. And let's look at the last one. I love this. This is my favorite. Tequila. Tequila. I didn't say tequila, everybody. Some of y'all are like, man, this is my favorite word in the entire Bible right there. Woo! In fact, it, it actually gives you the result of what that would give you, right? Exuberant singing. In fact, it's even funnier in the verse, Psalm 34.1. Look at this. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His tequila will always be on my lips, everybody. It's a lot more funnier in my joke than. His tequila will always be on my lips. Y'all, I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun today. But I want you to just look in my eyes. And I just want you to understand, this is the word of God. This is God's word. This is what God likes. My friend, you can't control the weather. You can't control your spouse. You can't control the doctor's report. You can't control the economy. You can't control mask or no mask. You can't control the things that we're dealing with right now. But what we can control, and what I want you to see today, is that we can absolutely control our response. We can choose the choices that we make on how we respond. And my friend, I just want to encourage you to make the choice 
to put your praise on. Why? Because Jesus gave you this garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So put your praise on. Why? Because praise produces, produces joy. Praise produces joy. And I want to invite you to this verse. I love this. Psalm 34, verse 8. I want to invite you to taste and see. You know what that means? It means I just want to invite you to come and to experience that the Lord is good. We sang about him earlier. I want to invite you to experience God. How? Because, oh, my friend, woo! the joys of those who put their trust in him. Joy is on the other side of our trust, our praise of our God. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Don't be looking around. We'll be here just another three or four minutes. Some of you in this room today, you are overwhelmed by the situation that's happening in your life right now. And I want you to understand that it's not circumstantial, it's spiritual. There is an all-out assault on your life. It's called the spirit of heaven. It's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But today is your day. Now is the time to turn that around and to experience the life in the fullness that God has for you by the power of his Holy Spirit. And I pray right now by the authority of Christ, I come against the spirit of heaviness. I come against anxiety. I come against stress. I come against this, this worry. I come against the divide in our country. I come against the divide in the homes. I come against the divide on the marriages. I come against those who are thinking about and contemplating divorce. I come against against the spirit in the bondage of those of the relationships that have been broken between a dad and their son or a son Father God and their friends Lord I just come against that spirit in the name of Jesus I bind it I cast it out in the name and the authority of Christ Jesus today over every single person that is listening and in this room and I pray that the peace of God that transcends all understanding would begin to restore renew their minds today in the name of Jesus Healing would begin to happen by the power and authority of Christ in every circumstantial thing that they're facing. And I pray that people, God, today we would just begin to understand what it means to put our praise on. To simply, God, to wear a garment that says, you know what, no matter how I feel, no matter what I'm facing, God, I'm not basing my praise on what I'm seeing. I'm basing it on your truth of your reality of what you've done and who you are and who I am in and through you as a son or daughter of the living God. And through that, God, I pray that every single person, as they take a step, wherever they are, to do even just one of the seven things that you love so much, I pray that they would begin to experience the joy that is on the other side of our praise. And my friend, with every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you are here today, and you want to experience the joy of taking refuge in God. But for whatever reason, you've decided just to kind of walk away. You turned. And you're dealing with so much stress, anxiety, you've got bitterness, it's just in your heart. It's hurt, it's pain, and you're, it's shame, it's guilt, it's just, it's the weight of the world. And you're like, man, I want to get rid of this thing. Like, I would love to praise, but I just, I don't even have a relationship with God. My friend, today is your day. Now is the time you can leave here in this moment right now and begin to experience the joy, the life that Christ came to give you. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. It's not about going to church. It's not about doing good things. It's not about doing external things, my friend. It's about a free gift that you can simply receive. His name is Jesus. He's done everything for you. You just simply have to receive it. It would be an honor for me today to introduce you to Jesus. 
If you're here in this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I'm not calling you down front. All I would simply like to do is to pray for you, but I would love to know who you are. Would you be so bold in this moment and say, you know what, Patrick, that's me. I'm coming home today. I want a relationship with God. I've walked away. I'm coming home. If that's you, you can put your hands down. Would you say a simple prayer like this? Just say, Jesus. Everybody just say that under your breath. Say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Today, I give you my life. I believe you died. and I believe you rose again. I believe you paid for my sin. I put my faith, I put my hope, and I put my trust in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Hey, church family, can we put our hands together right now and celebrate with those who made a decision to follow Jesus? Amen.